Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have part three in our series, Advent Conspiracy, where we are looking at ways to uh, reconfigure uh, our, our hearts around this season of Christmas. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of spending less and giving more, how we can participate in the truly subversive story of Christmas, which is good news uh, for the powerless, the poor, uh, the ones on the margin. So, good stuff. Uh, we got a Christmas Eve service coming up. Uh, Christmas Eve, we'll be meeting at 5 o'clock, so if you want to join us for that, that would be awesome. Uh, otherwise, let's go ahead and head to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Cove. Well, this morning, I want to start off by talking about liturgies. Anybody know what a liturgy is? I'll tell you. Yeah, okay. No. Liturgy is maybe not a word you, it's maybe a word that you don't bump into so much in in the vineyard, but there's a lot of churches that are considered liturgical. Uh, Liturgy simply refers to the order of a service, a worship service on a Sunday morning. So, more liturgical traditions would be, like, say, Catholic or Lutheran. Um, and, and so in a liturgy, you may have uh, scripture reading, certain organized prayers, uh, communion, things like that. Now, we actually have a liturgy here. It's just not as formal, maybe. We do a few songs, and we pass the offering, we pray, we have communion. Uh, so every church has some kind of liturgy. I mean, I guess there's some places that just make it up as they go along. I've probably been to a few of those. Um, but the, the thing that I want to say is that, that liturgies, they have a way of forming us, shaping our desires, turning us into the kind of people that, that we will be. It, has, it plays an important part. One reason why we get here every weekend and we sing these songs together, it may seem kind of silly to you sometimes, like, why, why do we sing that? It's like nowhere else in, in the world where you gather together and sing songs. But one reason we do, we sing songs together, we pray together, we take communion together every week is that it has a way of reminding us that we are children of, of, the, of the kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We're oriented around the purposes of, of Jesus Christ, the King. And we need to be reminded of that. Because the world outside these doors, the, a lot of people don't live that way. But there's a, a cumulative effect that happens over your life by continually participating in liturgies in the church. By continually showing up on a Sunday morning, it has a cumulative effect because over time, it shapes you, it morphs you, it, it keeps you grounded in the reality of, of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 12, verse 1, he says, Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there are forces in our world everywhere, forces from from marketing, uh, from business, from politics, social pressure. There is stuff coming at us from every angle that is trying to squeeze us into the pattern of this world. That's kind of language Paul is using, being formed in a mold. And Paul says, 
Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this world from external pressure. Rather, be transformed from within by the renewing of your mind. See, the, the liturgies that we participate in, they have a way of, of transforming our mind. They change our mind. They, you know, they, they actually see there's neurological studies that, that show that there are certain things that if you do them over and over again, they actually change the way your mind is shaped. The actual physical structure of your brain is changed by the things that you do over and over. You can see this with athletes, musicians, anybody who does anything repetitiously, even drugs, it affects the, 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 the shape, the very physical structure of your brain. And Paul's saying, don't be conformed. Don't be squeezed into the mold, but be transformed. So we worship together. We read the Bible together. We take communion together. We pray together, uh, not just for the moment, but it's, it's a lifestyle that shapes us, that changes us from the inside out. But do you realize that, that there's not simply the liturgies that we go through in a church, our world is filled with liturgies as well. They're not called that, but this is the same thing. For instance, 4th of July. Uh, how many of y'all watch fireworks on the 4th of July? Okay. Uh, we have liturgies that we go through as, uh, that are nationalistic, you know, s- state liturgies. We gather with other people. We eat barbecue and apple pie. Uh, you know, what I do on the 4th of July, I like to watch uh, you know, history documentaries about, uh, you know, the, the, the American Revolution and stuff. We, we reflect as a people on what it means to be American. Maybe we sing, I'm proud to be an American. Uh, maybe we sing the national anthem. But, but do you realize that, that participating in the 4th of July every year over your life, it begins to shape your identity as an American, it shapes the way you see the world. It shapes your patriotism. That's why sometimes, you know, you, you hear a patriotic song, you might get misty-eyed, you might get teary-eyed because it, it means something because you, you've participated in these things your whole life. So that, that's, a, that's a kind of a, a state liturgy. But, you know, there's another liturgy that people participate in uh, all over the place this time of year. It's the liturgy of consumerism. Now, we've come to a, a, a time where where Christmas is, is uh, you know, this, this modern thing that we call Christmas, it's a real mixed bag, isn't it? Like, you've got all kinds of weird things thrown together. Uh, you got Jesus, you got Santa, you got elves, you got trees, you've got cookies, Christmas parties. It, it's it's a, a really mixed bag of things that we do at Christmas, but I think we can all agree that it's getting more and more commercialized every year, right? Can we agree on that? That, that it's, it's becoming more and more about stuff, things, going in debt, uh, anxiety. I mean, I, I feel it. You can feel it getting off the bridge on the South Shore near Lakeside Mall. You can feel the tension. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to go in the mall. You just feel it like, ow, oh, this is like, there's like a spirit of people trying to get stuff before other people get it. Um, but, you know, you participate in the liturgies of consumerism with your visit to a local mall. You know, it's interesting. You go to a local mall, it's very much like going to church on a Sunday morning in a sense. You walk into the atrium, this sacred space for consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're, you, are, you encounter the smells of, of the food court, the sound of holiday music. You look up on the walls of the mall and you see the icons of consumerism. Posters of Abercrombie and Fitch and Gap and Macy's. Beautiful people who communicate to you that if you want the good life, if you want to look like this, if you want to have it, then you need to give an offering. And so we do. We grab our stuff and we go up to the counter and we make a, an offering to the priest or priestess of, 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 of the local mall and we take the stuff home. See, the, the mall is just a picture. The, see, marketers, businesses, the reason they latch on to Christmas is they are trying to shape your desires in a way that conforms you to the pattern of this world. If you just spray on this body spray, man, women are going to be attacking you. You know, if you just drink this beer or buy this car or buy your wife this pair of, of, of special earrings, then, you know, you're set from here on out. You know, this is the key to your happiness. And I say this because we, we think going to the mall is just like, ah, it's just, a, but it's, a, it's an experience, particularly Christmas time, that over the years, it begins to shape you around the ideals of marketers and businesses and consumerism and materialism. It shapes you around, and, and, and bit by bit, we don't even realize it, that we are being motivated by these external forces that are pushing in on our lives. We, we, we find ourselves anxious around Christmas. Are we going to buy enough presents for uh, you know, our family members? Uh, do, do, do we need this or that? Or you know, how many more electronic gadgets can we pile up here? And I think what, what, what the liturgies of consumerism lead us to is something that is very excessive this time of year. Now, I, I want to I let you know, I'm not opposed to buying presents, okay? I'm actually a big fan of presents, in case anybody was wondering. Um, I like presents. But I think that, that, that consumerism in our, in our modern world has pushed us as people to such excess, that now, you know, there's, there's times we buy our kids so many presents that they open one present after the next and they just become selfish little spoiled brats on Christmas morning. I didn't get what I wanted or, 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 or Susie got this and I didn't get that. And, and, and we've actually turned Christmas into this thing that is about me, me, me. Now, we say that giving gifts has to do with, well, the wise men gave gifts to Jesus and all that. Uh, okay. But I think, I think that story's really lost in the grand scheme of things because we've traded that story. We've traded the, sub, traded the subversive story of, of Advent for this cheap substitute of consumerism and materialism. And today... I want us to regain the story again, to step into the story that Jesus is telling, that he's inviting us into. Do you realize that Christmas, I mean, we've tamed it, we've made it all cute and cuddly and hallmarky, but Christmas is like one of the most subversive stories that you could encounter. God leaves heaven and he comes into our world, but he doesn't, he doesn't come to the palace of the Caesar he doesn't come to the powerful, the rich, the famous. Who does he come to? The most 
like on the fringe, powerless, weak person you could think of in that culture. You know, back in that day, if you were a woman, like you had zero rights. You're like a second class citizen. So the only thing worse than being a woman was being like a teenage woman. The only thing worse than being a teenage woman would be a a, a teenage woman from a persecuted people who were dominated by a foreign empire. That's Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's like as weak and powerless and as humble as you could imagine. And the angel comes to her and says, God's going to do something special in you. You are going to bring forth the Son of God from your own womb. And Mary's like, hot dog, that's awesome. Let it be. And I love this story that, that just after God says that to her, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's, who's got John the Baptist in her womb. She, she's a little bit further along uh, pregnancy-wise. And it says that, that as soon as Mary gets around Elizabeth, she, Elizabeth's just filled with the Holy Spirit, and that baby starts dancing, and, and Mary busts out in a song. It's like a rock opera. And this is, this is the song that Mary sang. And I want you to pay attention to this because this is, this is how the first person, uh, you know, the, the first people that were involved in the story that God was doing with Advent, this is how they responded, filled with the Spirit of God. This was their first words, a song. Luke 46, uh, 146, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Her response to what God is doing is like, God has looked on the powerless, the weak, and and he's lifted them up. Hungry people are are, are being filled now. Like like the language that she uses to describe what God is doing is that that God is turning the world upside down. Now the people people who look like they've got power, the the movers and shakers of the world, they are going to be brought low. And the ones who ain't got anything going for them, the poor in spirit, as Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now the the, the weak, the humble, the powerless are being lifted up. They're the ones who get visited by God. Isn't it interesting in the gospel story, that the Advent story, that who are the people that get in on the miracle of the birth of Jesus? Well, we have Mary and Joseph who are like teenagers. We got some cows. And we got shepherds. Shepherds were, were like, that was not a good job back in those days. Shepherds didn't, they weren't like, looked like, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up, Pop. <laughs> shepherds were, it was like a low class job nobody wanted to do. And yet it's the shepherds who get in on the angels singing. God bypasses all the things that we think are important. And he goes to the people who don't have anything. That's the good news of the gospel. Yeah, you can can clap. 
That's pretty weak. <laughs> I said, that's the good news of the gospel. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting how she ends this, this little song. She says, um, he has helped his servant in Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. If we go back some 1,500 years before this story, we, we see that God starts his rescue plan for the world with one person, Abraham. He says, Abraham, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. Now, there's a lot of people in the, in the prosperity gospel movement that say, that, that they just stop there. God wants to bless you. He just wants to shower his blessings upon you and, and give you whiter teeth, fresher breath, you know, all kinds of, you know, just, just bless you. He wants, he wants the world to know that he's a good God because he's going to bless you with everything you want. But God didn't stop there with Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Abraham, the blessings, it's not, I'm not just, I love you, Abraham, but what I'm after is not just showing that I love you. I want the world to know that I love them through you. I'm blessing you to be a blessing. Blessing you to be a blessing. That's where we get it sideways so much in, in, in American Christianity. We talk about God's blessing for us. But everything God gives you isn't for you. If you're a follower of Jesus. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the way God, I mean, I... I question the wisdom sometimes, like, God, are you, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, I've said it before, he's, he's not a control freak the way a lot of people like to make him out to be. He, he spends three years with 12 guys, and then he leaves everything in the hands of 11 of them after one's betrayed him. I hope this works. <laughs> he has left this whole thing in our hands. And we can participate with what Jesus is doing. We can, we can see the blessings of God on our lives as, a, as, as something to, to continue with others. Or we can, we can get stopped up. You know, we can just turn into to, to making it about us. But then we just kind of start singing the song that, that maybe our kids say. It's me, 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 me. God wants to, yes, yes, God wants to bless you. So he can bless through you. God loves you, not just so you can say, I'm loved by God. No, he loves you so that you can learn to love others. He forgives you, not so you can just say, oh, I'm so glad I got forgiven, all that horrible stuff. No, he, he wants you to be a forgiver. <laughs> Jesus gives you peace, not so you can just say, oh, I'm so glad I'm at peace when everything's chaos. No, so you can be a peacemaker. He gives you hope so that you can bring hope. You, you're following me here. You are blessed to be a blessing, just like Abraham. And that's where, that's where Mary ties this whole song into. She ends with that. Thank you for remembering your promises to Abraham. Because in Jesus, we see those promises broken open. It's not just about Israel anymore. It's about everybody. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Galatians 2.10, Paul's recounting how he was sent out to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And, and he says, when they sent me out, they said this one thing. He said, remember the poor. And Paul said, I was glad to do that. Remember the poor. If we look at the church in Acts, they remembered the poor. Like they remembered them. They, they took care of them. They fed them. They, they, they made sure people had what they needed. And that, 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 that goes hand in hand with the gospel. 
You know why? Well, if you look at Luke 4, 18 through 19, I think I put 18 through 9 there on your outline, sorry. Uh, Jesus, after he's tempted in the wilderness, at the beginning of his ministry, before he does any miracles, he walks into the temple, he reads the scroll, and the scroll is open to a passage from Isaiah. And this, this passage says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And after Jesus said all those things, you know what he said? He said, this scripture that was written hundreds of years ago has just now been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the day that that happens. This is the favorable year of the Lord. But do you notice the language that Jesus is speaking? To, to, to share the good news with the poor. What's good news if you're poor? Like, you're going to have your needs met, right? <laughs> like, that's good news. Good news to the poor isn't like, hey, like, believe in Jesus and maybe you'll go to heaven when you die. I mean, that, that's good news. But the gospel, we see the gospel that, that Jesus is sharing is that, that, that it always, and, and in the early church, it's always gone hand in hand. The proclamation of the good news has always gone hand in hand with Christians who let go of their stuff so that other people can, can, can live and thrive. It's always been hand in hand. It's not just preach the good news, it's be the good news. I, I hear some people that, that preach the good news all the time, but you get around them, it ain't good news. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're blessed to be a blessing. Now, how does this tie into this Christmas season? Uh, I think for many people, middle class, uh, I, think, I think we, I, I have to admit, like, I've been shaped by the story of consumerism. It's got me. I've been formed by these liturgies. I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. I, I hate this stuff within me. Like I find like out of nowhere sometimes this, this, this want for stuff just starts creeping up. And I'm like, ah, I'd really like to have that and that. I, I, you know. But what would it be like if we introduced some different liturgies with our family around Christmas time? What if we did some different things? What if we didn't join the consumer story of Christianity, the story of material, materialism at Christmas? What if we joined the story that Mary was singing about? What if we got a hold of the radically subversive message of Christmas? Do you realize, I, I love this, in the Song of Mary, here's this, this, this powerless, weak teenage girl and she's, she's like talking smack about how all the powerful are going to be brought low <laughs> The, the rich are going to be brought low. The, the, the humble are going to be lifted up. Because you know what? The coming of Jesus was a threat to all the powers and principalities. The coming of Jesus threatens the political, economic structures of the world. They're not going to have the last word. What would it mean for us to live Christmas in a way that values this narrative, this story, not just give me a bunch of more stuff? I, I, I can look back to my childhood. I was fortunate in one way to be an only child. So it meant at Christmas time, like, especially if you have broken homes and multiple step parents, it means you get a lot of presents. <laughs> you know, the 
upside to dysfunctional families. Um, <laughs> so Christmas time, I would find, like, I'm, like, multiple grandparents and step-grandparents. I'm, like, the recipient of it all, you know? And uh, some of you are like, oh, this explains some stuff. Uh, no. Uh, but I remember some of the Christmases where I would get, I would just get present after present. And I remember just being a little turd sometimes. I didn't get exactly the thing I wanted. Or, or maybe my cousin got something that, that, that I wanted. Or I thought their thing was better. And so Christmas morning, the, the time that should be about, you know, loving one another and, and, and being generous becomes this time of selfishness and jealousy and just grumpiness. And then half the toys that you end up getting, they, you, you, you don't even play with them after a couple of weeks. And I look at my own kids sometimes. And I think, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in this. And I'm talking about excessiveness. I think it's good to give your kids presents. That's not bad. I'm talking about the excessiveness of it. And so here's what I want to ask. What if we cut back on some of the presents we're giving this year? Some of the kids are like, oh, shut up. (laughs) I was tracking with you until you said that. No, but really, how about we consider our, 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 our funds and instead of just just buying little Johnny ten different presents, how about you cut it in half? How about we sit down as a family and talk about how we can take maybe a little bit of our money and give it towards water wells in Africa? How about we do some things this season? I like, I like love what Paulette put a little Facebook message up the other day, and I'm sure they'll take any volunteers that you know Christmas morning. They're getting a group of people together to go sing Christmas carols at, at nursing homes on Christmas Day. That's good. Now, now we're getting closer to, 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 to what it means to do some things that are not consumeristic, not materialistic. You know what? I, I sat down with our family. I said, you know, we're not going to buy all the presents that we bought last year. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help out with these water wells in Africa. We're going to do that as a family. And it means sacrifice. It means that, yeah, okay, you might not get every present that you wanted. It's okay. You'll survive. You'll be okay. Right? <laughs> but there's something when we let go of our money, when we let go of our resources, we step into what life really is. Because Macy's tries to tell you what the good life is, but they're just trying to get you on the hook. So you're addicted to their stuff. When we let go of our money and give to, to what God's doing, we, 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 we start to live. Have you ever noticed that? Like, when you, like, it's hard sometimes letting go of money or stuff, but you take your hands off, and all of a sudden you feel like, I'm, I'm actually living. You step into what real life is about. I encourage you, parents, families, consider these questions together. Let us not be defined by the stories that our world is telling, but by the story that God is telling this year. That may mean something different for each person. I want to close today by showing a little video. This was produced by a group called Charity Water. Um, We're not actually collecting for Charity Water, but they have an awesome video. they got a lot of awesome videos. Um, We're actually going to be working with a a guy um, from Seeds of Hope in Zambia. And he's actually in Kenner this weekend. And so they're supposed to try to 
video the guy to, uh, w maybe we'll show it next week to kind of talk about the projects we're going to do in Zambia. But this, this video, we showed it Wednesday night to the kids before we did all these paintings. Uh, I, I think this encapsulates what we're trying to help out with uh, instead of buying, an, uh, you know, by, by cutting back, spending less, that we have more to give to things like this. So check it out. So we're going to have a chance next Sunday uh, to be the good news to some people in Zambia. 
and, um, and, and be a part of a freshwater project over there. I'm hoping we can raise at, uh, at least $8,000 next weekend uh, when we take up the offering. Uh, last time we did this, the church was about half the size, and we did 6500 So I'm not even putting my faith very far out there. Uh, but I would love to see uh, what we could do pulling our resources together. The other thing I want to say is that in the coming weeks, we're, we're not, we do this thing every once in a while to focus on overseas stuff, but, but we're going to really be looking at some ways we can, we can reach out and help people in this community. I've got, I, uh, I went to Boys and Girls Club this last week, and uh, the head of that's going to, uh, Jessica, she's going to come over here and, 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 and speak about opportunities where we can get involved in helping uh, people within six blocks from here in this church. So uh, why don't you stand up? I don't want to close this in a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for the way that you are turning the world upside down. God, we want to be a part of your story. And God, I just pray you would bless every family in here, every person in here with uh, just, just the grace to, to turn from the story of consumerism and materialism this, this year to, to, to step into your story. God, give us creative ways to communicate these things with our own children uh, and, and Lord, help us to be good stewards. Help us to trust you, Lord. Uh, help us to let go of some of the stuff that we have, some of our money, God, to, to just trust that you will take care of us, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense to our financial advisors, God. Help us to live in your economy. We thank you that there is no lack with you, God. Uh, you are the God of abundance. So, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you, God. Move upon our hearts. Show us how to participate in your story, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.